Good morning. We're going to be looking at two scriptures this morning. The first coming from the book of Job, and the second will be from 1 Corinthians. You can follow along on page 5 of your order of service. There is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth, and copper is smelted from ore. Mortals put an end to the darkness. They search out the farthest recesses for ore in the blackest darkness. Far from human dwellings, they cut a shaft in places untouched by human feet. Far from other people, they dangle and sway. The earth from which food comes is transformed below as by fire. Lapis lazuli comes from its rocks, and its dust contains nuggets of gold. No bird of prey knows that hidden path. No falcon's eye has seen it. Proud beasts do not set foot on it, and no lion prowls there. People assault the flinty rock with their hands and lay bare the roots of the mountains. They tunnel through the rock. Their eyes see all its treasures. They search the sources of the rivers and bring hidden things to light. But where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? No mortal comprehends its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me. The sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought with the finest gold, nor can its price be weighed out in silver. It cannot be bought with the gold of Ophir, with precious onyx or lapis lazuli. Neither gold nor crystal can compare with it, nor can it be had for jewels of gold. Coral and jasper are not worthy of mention. The price of wisdom is beyond rubies. The topaz of Cush cannot compare with it. It cannot be bought with pure gold. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds of the sky. Destruction and death say, only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. For he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he established the force of the wind and measured out the waters, when he made a decree for the rain and a path for the thunderstorm, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it. And he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. Now from 1 Corinthians. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, Thanks to, God. be to God. Let's pray. Father, we really ask for wisdom. Uh, this year, in 2020, we seek wisdom for life and living. 
wisdom for loving and enduring, even suffering. We ask for wisdom to make wise decisions in complex situations and wisdom, most of all, to love and obey you in the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So, my text today is two words from an ancient text written thousands of years ago, two verses from God's Word, written then, uh, but for us now, two verses about wisdom, two verses which give you and me today a door to the gospel of grace. They are Job 28, verses 12 and 13 on page 6 of your orders of service. Verse 12, but where can wisdom be found? Great question. Where does understanding dwell? No mortal comprehends its worth, wisdom's worth. Wisdom cannot be found in the land of the living. In verse 12, two great questions. In verse 13, two initial answers begging for a final one which we'll get to next week. We're in a three-week series, as I said a moment ago, introducing our teaching topic for 2020. We are mining for wisdom in 2020. You'll hear those words over and over again. We're not mining for gold, we're not mining for silver, and we're certainly not mining for coal. We want to deepen discipleship in 2020, and part of this will be the relentless pursuit of wisdom. Wisdom is personified in the book of Proverbs, we'll find this out on Rivendell, as a woman to seek out, and we'll be seeking her out in 2020. And we'll do this together. The next best thing to being wise oneself is to be in a circle of those who are. And you are in a circle of those who are. Last week, we began the series, the first 12 verses of Job 28, in those verses, Job says that when people find a precious metal like gold or silver, verses 1 and 2, they generally do anything to go and get it, verse 3. They take risks, they overcome fears. You feel this way when you go to work. You create solutions, you get innovative, you gather together in teams, you put an end to the darkness, tallow lamps, you create light, and then you abseil to find the thing of value. You um, assault the flinty rock with your hands. You go and get it. But we believe that wisdom is of greater value than gold. We'll come to that. So, in 2020, we're mining for wisdom, and you'll hear these words, we are going to assault the flinty rock with our hands. We're going to give it a go, verse 9. Attack the problems. Identify them and attack them. We are going to lay bare the roots of the mountains. We're going to get below get to the essence of things. Remember that Bonhoeffer quote last week? To get to the essence of things. With you, I want to tunnel through the rock to find wise paths through complex problems and issues and to bring to light things that are hidden. Tim Keller uh, said this. He said, in the Bible, wisdom means understanding how things work. I'm going to add that into our a project of working out how to define wisdom. I began last week. I want you to amend the definition as the weeks and months go on. Wisdom means understanding how things work. For example, the human heart, times and seasons, life itself, and understanding, he says, so well 
that you make masterful decisions. Wisdom is not less than being moral. It is more. I'm always astounded when someone makes a a foolish choice and you say, look, it's not right or wrong. And they say, yeah, I know, it's just a a wisdom category. As if that's that's less than, than being moral. It's not less than being moral. It is more than being moral. To be wise is to know what to do in the 90% of life situations where he says the moral rules don't directly apply. Point I made last week. For example, some decisions just take facts. Should I take this medicine or not? Take the facts from the doctor. Some decisions just take values. Sometimes you know what is right and wrong, and if you're a person of character, you tend to do the right thing. Not always. But 90% of the very important decisions that are in front of us, neither facts nor character help. Tomorrow morning, you'll make 100 of them. He says, should I date someone or break up or marry this person? There might be all sorts of right options, he says. But which one is the wise one? Should I take this career or that? Should I open my mouth to a bully and confront this person? Or should I be quiet? can't imagine what politicians have to go through. Do I go to war or not? Keep them in your prayers. Most of the decisions that if made wrongly can really muck up your life, he says, are about wisdom. Let us know the topics you'd like covered over the year. I've already received one email from a member of this congregation. Thank you. I come into this pulpit not as the wise one. Far from it. Rather, I want to point you to the wise one, to Jesus. Mining for wisdom will, in the end, be about finding Jesus. Like we said last week, if fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the door, then Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of wisdom. So, question. Verse 12. Where can wisdom be found? Where do I have to go? Today's message will be unsatisfactory because the questions asked draw us into the third part of the chapter. Next week, we'll explore the answer, which is, verse 23, God alone knows the way to wisdom. He alone knows where wisdom dwells because he sees it all. And in the end, wisdom is found in fearing him and shunning evil. Verse 27, God looked at wisdom like a master craftsman. He appraised it. He confirmed it. He tested it. And he said to the human race and to you and I in the power of the Spirit, he said, I'll tell you what the wisdom is. It's to fear the Lord and to shun evil. That's all next week. But today, Job offers two tantalizing proposals before he restates the same question in verse 20 that he does in verse 12. And those two tantalizing propositions are in my text today, verse 13. No mortal comprehends its worth, and it cannot be found in the land of the living. So my two points today on verse page 8 of your orders of service are, we humans can't truly grasp its worth, not truly, and secondly, it's not ultimately source on earth, not ultimately. So let's break those two apart. First, we humans can't truly grasp its worth. That's what he says when he says no mortal, no human, no woman, no man truly comprehends wisdom's worth. It's a very simple point to make and a reiteration of last week. 
that wisdom is so amazingly, 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 amazingly valuable. It's mind-blowing how valuable it is. And even though you think it's valuable, you can't truly know, not from God's perspective, how valuable wisdom is. You could offer me $1 billion or offer me wisdom and I'll take wisdom every day and twice on Sundays. And I know this is untested. If you want to test it with me, I'm quite open to your suggestion. But I'll reject it. Why? Uh, it would seem to me quite obvious that those people who have a billion dollars often, although not always, often get there with cunning, with a litany of folly, and often a crowd of discarded people in their wake, not least of which are family members. That would seem to me to be not hard to establish. Paul wrote to Timothy, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction in the same way that you pray for politicians. Perhaps it's worth praying for those whom God has given loads of money. Although Paul says, just those who want to get rich. One of the things about ageing in this uh, era is the power of Wikipedia. I can go onto Spotify or, or, or YouTube and I can listen to songs that I remember from the old days. Uh, you know, I don't have to um, wait till some disc jockey plays it for me on the radio. And I can watch movies, stream movies that I fondly remember. And sometimes while watching a movie with an iPad in front of me, I ask myself the question, where is that actor now? Where is that artist now? And oh boy, oh boy, I'm surprised when I find out that their lives are normal, free, happy, centred, maybe still married if they were in the first place. It would seem that fame is a difficult thing to manage. Instead, quite often, it's arrests and divorce and estranged kids over and over again. Wisdom, therefore, is so amazingly, amazingly, amazingly valuable. You can't buy it, verse 15, can't be bought with the finest gold. You can't weigh it against silver and, uh, and, and find that it's outweighed. Verse 17 to 19, nothing compares to it, not gold, not crystal, jewels of gold, coral, jasper, these crystals, those crystals, doesn't matter who it is, it cannot compare. Wisdom cannot compare with precious metals. So as an old school mentor said to me, uh, wisdom is part of a set of things that he used to call the great intangibles, the eternal verities. Wisdom belongs in a bucket of things like divine love, transforming grace, ultimate justice, compassion, substantial hope. These are things that you can't buy, you can't sell them can't earn them, although you can lose them. You can't steal them, although you can rob yourself of them, rob others of them. Wisdom is supreme, says a proverb, says God, therefore get wisdom. Back to verse 13, no mortal comprehends its worth. There's no person on earth that can truly get their mind around the value of wisdom. Not really, not, and not every day, and not the way God does. We know something of wisdom's worth. 
Some of us, I don't know why, want it more than others, but we don't get it, not its true worth. I don't know about you, but I prefer to have wisdom than folly, that's for sure. Wisdom and humility, what a great combo. But that's different to being able to evaluate it and see its value as God sees it. I take it that if we truly knew the value of wisdom, if we could glimpse it, um, we'd continually avoid foolish choices and make wise ones. It would seem obvious to us. Now, I understand we need the power of God's Holy Spirit to a broken and willful heart, but, you know, if you could grasp it, why would we make foolish choices? But instead, we choose foolishness regularly, not seeking the times and seasons, and we choose sin and inappropriateness. In fact, we often willingly do things that scuttle our lives and the lives of others. Can you get your mind about why do you know? I often look at myself and say, I'm not complex. You know, I weigh 95 kilos. There, I said it. Stop thinking about it now. You know, I, there's no strings attached to me. You know, there's nobody's got a, uh, you know, I'm not a puppet. I've just got blood running around me and a brain and a heart. You know, you'd think, you'd, you'd think it'd be easier to choose the wise thing in every circumstance, but it seems so hard. It seems so profoundly complex to keep choosing wisdom in each and every situation. Let me choose three easy examples. Let me take a pot shot. It's too easy to choose smoking, right? S- smokers know otherwise. You can see it on the packet. But we can't choose to give it up. You know, there's something about the addiction. It's obvious to choose alcohol. Intoxication, I would have thought, was always a problem, legal and illegal substances, and yet it's very hard to choose to be wise. Very hard. There's no way porn is good for you, for you, not for women, not for men or society, but there it is, bucket loads. I choose three easy things. There's a sea of more complex situations and work situations. And the, e- the, the things that you think, oh, this should be easy, we should get over this one. No, no, no. Of course, they take time to overcome, but that's the point. No one comprehends wisdom's worth. And it's not that everyone is unwise all the time. Of course not. We see wise people choosing wise things all the time. We, we, we appreciate them. We see foolish people making wise choices, and we see what one might call a wise person making dumb choices. But even the wise ones among us can't fully know what God knows, the true value of wisdom. I can't wait for God's, the glimpse of his eyes in the world to come, life everlasting. There'll be some valuers in the room, property uh, uh, those who value property, and imagine a valuer comes to a property, maybe it's your property, and they say, you know, wow, this is worth $1.5 million, more, less, whatever. They can get at the true value, more or less, or at least in a range. I have friends of mine who live in Astoria in Queens, in one of the boroughs of New York outside Manhattan. To get to and fro- from Manhattan used to take forever on a, on a, on a, uh, a train and then a walk. Um, you know, within a year, a ferry was put within 20 metres of their home in far-off uh, Astoria that was basically a 10-minute ride across to Manhattan. Now, a valuer could come to that home and say, your property was worth X, now it's worth Y, where Y is greater than X. 
but there is no one valuer on earth, says Job, that can truly place a figure, a thing, on wisdom. For no one has been to the place where wisdom was forged. Or has there been a human who's seen it? We'll come to Jesus in a moment. Second, it's not ultimately source on earth. Verse 14, it cannot be found in the land of the living. What's the author saying? Wisdom cannot be found in the land of the living. There's no place you can go to and say, I have found wisdom. It's a very simple thing the author is saying here, really. There isn't a mine. If you want silver, you go to a mine. And so you can have no wisdom rush like a gold rush where a wisdom miner might say, look, I've found some wisdom specs right here in Paducah, Kentucky, and it's time for you to get on your horse and pick up a pick and a shovel and come dig with me. Such a place does not exist, says the writer of Job 28, poetically. It's poetry. It's not that you can't find nuggets of wisdom in many places of life, and you do. You find nuggets of wisdom everywhere. But the source, that's what we're talking about here, the source. Where is the source of wisdom? Why do we care about wisdom anyway? Do animals? What is it about us human beings that care about wisdom? It begs the question, if you wanted wisdom, where would you go? And we humans have answers to that question. I mean, all the time. I mean, if you said to yourself, I'm living a life of folly in a particular area, and now I want some wisdom, we have answers. You know, we say, I'm going to employ a mentor, for example. Here's some answers we give. You say, well, I'm going to go to university and find wisdom. But it's interesting, isn't it, that you can get a brilliant education and still be a jerk. Many of us who did get a chance to go to a, a tertiary institution or even a secondary one, you get nuggets of wisdom at university. There's no doubt about that. Those of you who are lecturers are hoping to offer them to others. But does anyone go to university to find wisdom? Or is it instead to specialise in an area of knowledge to contribute to the world that God has made? I personally think that many people find wisdom at university despite university, and I did. Um, I found the wisdom of Christ by listening to that sermon that Rob preached back 32 years ago this month. And there are, of course, wise and foolish people at university. Wisdom cannot be sourced there. You could go to family, for example, and many of us naturally do. We naturally find wisdom in those who have gone before us, although some of you are saying, no way on earth am I going to do that. But the older I get, you know, I used to think, you know, my parents were wise, but now I'm a parent. I think to myself, I look at my son, my daughter, and I think, <laughs> uh, you know, we're just stumbling along together, as far as I could tell. Wisdom is not sourced here in my living room, I can guarantee you that. People say, I'll travel, I'll find a guru, I'll read a book and find enlightenment, I'll walk the streets and observe, but in the end, it's like an onion. Every time I peel a layer hoping to find wisdom, I find that there's no middle, no core, no source. You say, I'll go to the mountaintops, I'll travel to the bottom of the ocean, 
because wisdom is that important to discover. I love verse 14. The deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not with me. What else is he saying? When he says it cannot be found in the land of the living, I think this is a very ancient way of saying that you can't go from an is, what is observable, to an ought, what ought to be commanded and what you ought to hold others to account for. You can't just observe things, said Immanuel Kant, and think that an ought, a a have-to, will necessarily result from what you can see. There's always a gap between what you see, hear, taste, touch, and smell, and then an ought, what we ought to do. Of course, this is what most people do today, having given up on a God. They look and observe this or that, and then sort of out of nowhere, they say this ought to be the case and proceed to hold people accountable. And people don't seem to be held accountable to what you think ought to happen, and so you get on Facebook and shout even more strongly. But if they ought, their morality is uh, derived from mere observation, the link is not always easy to make, especially when it's challenged. You think it's obvious, but when it gets challenged, it's not always easy to make the link. Verse 14, wisdom cannot be found in the land of the living. It's going to be found elsewhere, beyond. This section of Job propels us forward with some existential questions looking for profound answers. Let me conclude. Where then would one go to find wisdom? You want wisdom? Where would you go? Where's the mind that I can dangle down to get it? The answer for Job, in the midst of suffering, mind you, is that wisdom is found in God. Soren Kierkegaard said of love, and the quote is on page one of your orders of service, he says, just as the quiet lake originates deep down in hidden springs no eye has seen, so also does a person's love originate more deeply in God's love. Where does love come from? It comes from God. We could rearrange that entire paragraph to say the same thing about wisdom or anything, really, one of the attributes that we hold dear, but we don't know where its source is. Soren Kierkegaard, just as the quiet lake originates deep in hidden springs no eye has seen, so does a person's wisdom originate even more deeply in God's wisdom. If there were no gushing spring at the bottom, if God were not the wise one, then there would neither be the little lake nor the human being's wisdom. Just as the quiet lake originates darkly in the deep spring, so a human being's wisdom originates mysteriously in God's wisdom. It's exactly what we're going to explore next week. We take after our Creator. And we do so even in suffering. That's the context of Job being wise at precisely the moment when I deeply want to act selfishly instead of retreating and licking my wounds like a beast. Instead, I become wiser and more loving, more like my God. At least that's what I'm praying for. So, Job says, no mortal comprehends its worth. There's no person who truly understands and is not found here in the land of the living. Or is it? God alone knows the path to wisdom. He alone has, as we said last week, assaulted the flinty rock and made a path to you and to me and shown us His wisdom. God alone knows the way to wisdom. He alone knows where it dwells because He sees the ends of the earth. 
He sees everything under the heavens, verses 23 and 24. It's his knowledge that allows for wisdom to exist in the first place. Our knowledge will always be finite, but we rest on one who knows all, one who is sovereign, one who is the source of all wisdom, what we need. And what we're praying for in 2020 is wisdom from above. It's not that we need wisdom from the right, and it's not that we need wisdom from the left, but rather we need wisdom from above, from God, and we'll explore that in the weeks and months to come. In the Corinthian correspondence, Paul says uh, in our second reading, where is the wise person? Tell me where they are. Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the philosopher of this age? Paul says, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? We have our wise ways. We have our powerful ways, and we think they're pretty wise. We think they're pretty powerful. But, says Paul, God has made them all foolish by the wisest of all things, the gospel. Christ came. One came down. He assaulted the flinty rock. He laid bare the mountains. He put an end to the darkness. There's a person on earth. It would appear that there is one mortal who comprehends its worth, for Jesus came from the bosom of his Father, the eternal Son from the eternal Father, and by the power of God's Spirit, he gives us his heart. And so we learn over time to live as wise ones after the wise one. Wisdom was once found in the land of the living. Paul says, Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to all those whom God has called. Is that you? To all those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Let's pray. And uh, Rob, you can come and lead us in prayer after this. Father, some of us know that we lack wisdom. Uh, perhaps we lack wisdom uh, in this moment. Um, maybe there's some season of folly that we find ourselves in and finding the path through it seems complex and difficult. Perhaps some of us feel like we lack wisdom with a particular decision we may have to make and maybe it's exceptionally hard for us right now. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, we should ask God. And so we now here ask you, you give generously to all without finding fault. Give us generously, lavish us with all wisdom and peace and understanding. Show us a path uh, through the rock. Amen.